Do you long to walk where Jesus walked, sail the Sea of Galilee, and sit under the olive trees in the Garden of Gethsemane? Then join me and Bible teacher Carol McLeod in Israel, March 27th through April 5th, 2023. We would love to have you. Find out more details at angeladonadio.com. Hey friends, welcome to the Make Life Matter podcast. I'm your host, Angela Donadio, Bible teacher, author, and adventure junkie. Join me each week for compelling conversations with leading voices that encourage us to ground our worth in the word instead of the narrative of the world. Together, we'll discover miracles in life's messy moments and make our lives matter no matter what. Here's this week's episode. Drug overdoses have reached record highs and opioids are involved in 60%. As a former addict and patient at S2L, Pastor Adam Comer gives much needed hope to both those struggling with any form of addiction, as well as the people who love them. The Forgotten Pandemic is a short but compelling documentary that sheds light on how opioid addiction has quietly become a pandemic in the United States. It offers stories of hope and freedom through Christ-centered recovery. Welcome, Pastor Adam. I'm so honored to have you here on the Make Life Matter podcast. Absolutely. It is an honor to be here today. Thank you for having me. Well, we've been chatting about already the reach that this film is having, and, and I'm so grateful for your voice. My husband and I pastor a church, have been in ministry for 30 years, and to see the sharp rise, we're about an hour outside of D.C., uh, so to see this sharp rise in overdoses, in addiction, especially over the last two years, uh, I'm, I'm so grateful in the way that God is using you. And you are the CEO of S2L Recovery, who is featured in the documentary and you're a producer of the film. So before we go any further, this might be unfamiliar for people. What is S2L, Pastor Adam? Yeah, so S2L, well, it's S2L Recovery. The S2L stands for Spring to Life, but we've kind of rebranded that to S2L Recovery. We are an all-male, Christ-centered addiction recovery facility in Middle Tennessee outside of Nashville. Um, We're licensed, so we have a joint commission accreditation, uh, and we are pretty radically different than the traditional secular uh, 12-step type program. Uh, we believe that it's an inside out approach and not a behavior modification outside in approach. And uh, we use uh, our curriculums from second Peter, uh, where it talks about, we can escape the corruption that's in the world that comes through sinful desires. And then it gives us a list of how to grow in sanctification. And if anyone out there has ever struggled or knows someone who struggled with an addiction, then that word desire means something a little different. Um, you know, mm-hmm. life has been, devastated because of a desire. And the Bible says that we can escape that. It's almost a mic drop moment for someone going through an addiction or of any kind that you can escape that the word of God says. And so God said it, so be it. So we've based our entire curriculum around that. Um, and, and, you know, we're not just pray uh, the addiction away. We have a doctor, nurses, clinicians, licensed clinicians on staff as well. And so we've really married the two together and uh, it's pretty unique. Uh, we're unashamedly Christ-centered. We believe that there's absolute freedom from addiction. We don't believe that you're once an addict, always an addict. That's antithetical to God's word. Uh, when we read it. Uh, when who the sun sets free is free indeed. We believe that. Uh, if you're in Christ, you're a new creation. We believe that. I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me. And we believe that. And so how dare us, God calls us saints when you're in Christ. How dare us say anything different? 
and I, I want to talk about your story in just a moment, and then we're going to get into the film, but you just touched on some of the differences um, in maybe traditional 12-step programs, faith-based programs are revolutionizing recovery. So drill a little bit down more for us, Adam, why faith-based programs are so different at their core. Is it what you would have just said, the Christ-centric approach, the fact that you can really experience freedom? Is there anything else that you would lend for maybe someone who doesn't understand the difference between a faith-based program and a typical 12-step program? Oh, yeah. yeah. And I know that you know this, but I'm, I'm just for the listener that um, maybe doesn't. I just want to be careful. Uh, faith-based. <laughs> uh, faith-based could be any faith. And I say that because in the state of Tennessee, they've started uh, the government, and it's an amazing thing, has started a faith-based initiative. Mm-hmm. And so huh. very supportive of faith-based type recovery things, but it includes all faiths. And so I'm just Christian Christ-centered recovery and how it's different is how I'll answer the, the, the question. And I got to just say that because if you're Googling something for one of your loved ones, make sure it's Christ-centered. That's so good. Uh, Thank you for making that distinction for yeah, us. Yeah, for sure. And, and just because I'm in this space and I know that it needs to be made and I know that you would know that, but being in this space, there's a lot of, um, anyways, I'll get to the comments of your question. No, 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 no. That's super helpful. <laughs> I don't want to talk bad about certain things. So I'll just, I'll leave it there. Um, but yeah, I mean, one of the things that's different, I mean, and, and we could just go to psychology 101 and our identity and how important that is. If you call a little girl ugly growing up her whole life, she's going to grow up and believe that she's ugly. And that's just, yeah. that's not biblical. That's not spiritual. That's psychology. Um, well, I think obviously that sits under the throne of, of God and his word, but moving it back, our identity in Christ and how important that is when, when you're, when I went to, I'll say me, I went to so many different places and we can get to my story. I told you this is an open book and it is expected. I'm not allowed to speak in these meetings unless I announce myself as an addict or an alcoholic. Mm. And man, that is just, just at its core. That is so damaging. Why would I identify the thing that tried to kill me? Why would I identify with the thing that robbed me of all my joy, my family, everything that I ever loved, everything that I ever knew and who God says I am. Why would I identify with that? And I mean, once, once, once an addict, always an addict is what's being mm-hmm. taught to me in those places. And, and it's just so harmful. And so, I mean, I kind of alluded to that <clears throat> in the intro, but that is a massive difference and it's very important. Um, and, and goodness, I don't know how much trouble we want to get in on. <laughs> uh, I can tell you're a pot stirrer. You go ahead and stir it. It's fine. Uh, I'm not trying to, I'm just passionate about this. I've done this for over a decade. Absolutely. And, and it seems it's, it's been a battle because we're looked at as secondary. Oh yeah. Mm. That faith stuff. That's good. She's like, what Mm. are are you aware that your success rate would be unacceptable in any other field in the world? When you look at the secular success rate of, of addiction recovery. Mm. And I mean, when you look at the 12 steps and things like that, to be fair in its originality, uh, I believe there was some theological, even, you know, doctrinal errors in it, but in the, in its originality, it was pure. And they were pointing people to God, but that's not what it is anymore. Mm. And I mean, if the argument is, hey, Adam, oh, I go to an amazing, godly AA meeting. Well, it's like, you know, I, guys fly into Nashville here to come to our program from all over the country. Mm. Tell me where those places are. I'll, I'll, I mean, if you when I send a guy back to Oklahoma, when I send a guy back to Florida, when I send a guy back to California, if you know where those meetings are, let me know. But mm-hmm. I don't. And the meetings that I'm aware of are, are opposite of that. They, they tell me that I can 
surrender to a God of my own understanding. And that's what the 12 steps say now that you, and that's what led me to addiction in the first place. The Bible says, lean not on your own understanding Mm. and God God will make straight your paths. And, you know, it's again, I'm sorry. I don't want to get us in too much. No, It's so insightful. It's so insightful for someone who's maybe not, um, travel the path that you've traveled, not as, as obviously experienced in having this conversation about addiction, you're, you're shedding light on things that we may not know. I'm curious to know, pastor Adam, why is it that they are reinforcing the label that once an addict, always an addict, which does run, uh, obviously it's an anti-biblical statement. You know, we're not to wear labels. We're not to, uh, you know, we're to embrace the fact that we, uh, can be, changed and transformed by the power of, of the blood of Jesus, the power of the Holy spirit and his working in our lives. So I'm curious as to know why I, I, from the outside, I would think you would want to tell people, Hey, you can be completely free. So why is that message of once an addict, always an addict taught in some of these 12 step programs? Yeah, I could have, I could give, <laughs> I could give you the conspiracy theory of what I think. I, I, I have my own. That's why I'm asking you. <laughs> uh, but I think it would be safer just to answer um, with the words of, of what I've been told. Uh, so uh, again, the faith-based initiative, amazing thing that our state's doing. Uh, and they had me come speak on, and, and others from other programs come speak on a panel. Uh, I didn't go to every county in the state, but they, the faith-based initiative did, but I did go to a bunch of counties Mm -hmm. and I said the similar thing that I just said to you. And afterwards, an old timer came up to me and that's what they call someone who's been in the, in the programs for a long time in AA for a long time, an old timer. And he was older uh, and he came up to me afterwards after saying the things that I just said to you and pulled me aside. And he said, you know, Adam, I'm an elder at my church. Uh, I've been in AA for 30 years. And I want you to know the reason that we say this uh, kind of, you know, kind of like in the Bible where it says I'm a sinner saved by grace. We say once an addict, always an addict. Or I say, I introduced myself as Billy and I'm an alcoholic. And that wasn't his name, but, uh, and I'm an alcoholic because we don't want to forget. And it's just similar to the sinner saved by grace. And mm, okay, I wish I could have, I'll tell you my response. <laughs> I wish I, I could claim that I'm smart enough to, to say that I thought of this, but it was really a kind of a spiritual moment. Cause this man for 30 years, this was his identity uh. and older and elder and thriving. And I just said, sir, and the Bible doesn't say the Bible says that we were sinners saved by grace. Yeah. If you are in Christ, the Bible calls you a saint, sir. Mm. Your identity is no longer as a sinner. It is as a saint. And how dare us again? How dare us say anything different? Wow. That's what the king, if Christ died for that sin and you are still identifying with it. And mm. I just, he, he didn't say another word and he wasn't, wow. he the wheels were turning. You could see when someone's really thinking and processing and he just kind of nodded. And, and walked away. And, and I'm not trying to just demolish someone's worldview and, and not, you know, poke, shoot holes in it without offering them grace. But that was, that was that conversation. And I feel it was accurate for believers. Hmm. I mean, that's so helpful because I, I feel like, yes, there, there could be this uh, pessimistic view that, obviously centers would kind of want to keep you dependent on them. I mean, you didn't say that, but I would kind of envision that's the conspiracy um, uh, angle of it just a little bit. But what I love about your, what you're saying, Adam, is 
this is an identification issue. Like, do I identify for the rest of my life that this is who I am rather than this is who I was when you were talking, um, in my second Bible study, I wrote about the woman with the issue of blood and she was really only known by that for 12 years. She doesn't even have a name. She's an unnamed woman of the Bible, the woman with the issue. And yet when Jesus turns around and talks to her and speaks to her and she's healed, he says to her daughter, go in peace. Your faith has healed you. And so there's a moment there where he, he identifies her now as a daughter of the King, not simply by the issue that she has carried for 12 years. So what I find so insightful about what you're sharing to us is, you know, we were not created to wear labels. There's nothing wrong with us remembering what God has done for us and in us and through us. And if you're listening and you're thinking, well, but I'm grateful that he saved me from X, Y, or Z. Absolutely. As we should be, but to label yourself and to identify yourself for the rest of your life by a a sin issue or by an addiction or uh, anything uh, that the enemy may want, may want to keep us bound in. I've just, she's one example, the one with the issue of blood among many others that are coming to my mind, but any other thought on that pastor Adam, before we kind of talk about your story and, and what uh, develops in the film. I think that's a very beautiful analogy. Uh, I believe the woman with the issue of blood is perfect. And wow. And you brought that out. I think I'll add to it. What was said to me, I don't ever want to forget, or we don't ever want to forget. That's why we always say it. And again, I I really think that's an absurd thing for two reasons. One, if I forget, I didn't have much of a life of addiction and and that's not like bragging about a war story or anything, but the chaos, devastation, pain, Mm -hmm. suffering, to the ones that I love and love me the most, I will never forget the life that I live Mm. or two. It's, it's, it's giving more power than it should. Here's the other reason why, if I don't want to forget, because if I forget that I can't just go back and do this, it's like, wait a minute. I have, I I don't live. I have a spirit of power, not fear. If God redeemed me from this, it's not, I can't go back to that. And I, and I can't do that. The God, God's changed me. I don't want to do that. It's not FOMO. It's not fear of missing out with that stuff. I have no desire to do that. Now, is that a process of sanctification? Absolutely. But this guy was talking to me at 30 years. I don't want to do that anymore. My Mm. changed the desires of my heart. I'm a new creator. Like I don't miss that. I get, I actually am angry at that, at, mm. my, at the sin in my past and the chaos that it caused. Mm, that's so helpful. And most of us, Adam, don't need to be reminded of our sin and our seasons that were painful and chaotic. We need to be reminded of the grace of God because the enemy certainly reminds us every day and our own flesh reminds us. I've you know, I prayed for women, Adam, who've carried things. I had an abortion 30 years ago and they've carried shame. Now I'm not saying I have personally, I'm saying that's what a woman has said to me. And she has carried that for 30 years under the shame of it and unable to really get completely free from it. So no one needed to remind her that she had had that trauma and was walking every day as that reminder, she needed to be reminded of who she was in Christ. And so I, I, I don't see in scripture that we need constantly need to be reminding ourselves 
of our sin, we're, we're keenly aware of our own. Now, granted, if we're living in sin right now, that's a whole different conversation, but we're talking about guys for the purpose of this conversation. We're talking about, you have been set free. You have been delivered. You are a new creation in Christ. And yet you're continuing to label yourself and identify yourself solely by that. And, and I know this is even a little bit off of what we were going to talk about today, but I just think maybe someone needs to hear this. And maybe this is literally setting you free to hear Adam's words. And the reason why Adam is so passionate is because this has been his story. So Adam, you're not just kind of at a 30,000 foot, you know, elevation sharing this, you, you were in the trenches and you were once a patient at S2L spring to life recovery now uh, relabeled S2L. And now you're the executive director and your mess truly became your mission. So tell us a little bit about your story before we talk about the film. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for that. And and I always say that, um, you know, I, I don't, I didn't, I'm not giving this advice based on the addictionology books and the degrees and all of this stuff. Although I did pursue that and I have read those books uh, and those help. I, I, I believe I speak from authority, but from the word of God and my own testimony, what God brought me through. And um, yeah, so I, I'll, I'll try to give you the flyby version. Uh, and if you want me to elaborate at any part, please do again, open book. But uh, I grew up in East Tennessee, uh, which is about two and a half, three hours away from middle Tennessee, where I am now, where the ministry is, but, um, grew up, I have two great parents still do, uh, they're educators, uh, have two brothers. I'm the middle child. I played sports. I was popular. I had no trauma or drama in my life. Uh, and I, and I bring that up because that's not the story for a lot of the men that I serve. Uh, a lot of the men that I serve here at S2L, they've come here, numbing things that were done to them by the people that were supposed to protect them. Uh, and so that, but that's not my story, but it is a real, a real thing uh, and a very common thing with the men that I serve. Um, but I uh, had great friends. Um, my parents had me in church, uh, again, playing sports, popular, um, went off to college and I went to Chattanooga, which is about an hour and a half away from where I grew up. And it was the first time I really tasted freedom. And um, I didn't really, uh, did not drink or anything or do drugs in high school. I was really kind of a good kid uh, or thought I was. Uh, But if I look back, I can can identify in high school, uh, I was filling a void uh, in the aspect of I could be liked by, and unfortunately in high school, probably college now too, but there's those cliques, right? There's the jocks or the you know, or whatever it is. And I found myself, man, I can be a chameleon and wear the mask of every group. And I was liked by every group, uh, but I was a different person for each group. And looking back, I identify that not, not in the moment, but I was feeling that I needed the void in my soul. I guess it wasn't the filled with the cross of Christ, with the spirit of God, it was filled with, I need acceptance. I need to be liked. I need this. And that filled that Whereas when I went off to college, very same thing was playing sports was popular. Um, and, but I was, I began to party. Uh, I was introduced to, you know, heavy amounts of alcohol and drugs and, uh, was just living that life. And I thought everybody else is, this is normal. Um, but I was doing it every night, <laughs> every day. And that's not what everybody else was. I was just justifying it. Mm. And around this time, hurricane Katrina hit, um, And I moved down to New Orleans and was helping and injured my back. And the moment that I tasted uh, powerful prescription pain medication, something clicked inside of me and said, Hey, 
this is the thing you've been missing all along. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, the first time. And from there, it just, it just was a path of devastation, of destruction, and always chasing that, always needing that. Um, <clears throat> was able to keep it somewhat quiet. Uh, but I mean, I was, uh, and then I moved back to Knoxville, East Tennessee, and my high school sweetheart was there, and um, she's a pastor's kid. She's the the good kind. She's not the rebellious kind, right? She's a, <laughs> Uh, just beautiful soul, very loving, um, wanted to believe me. And to be honest, was easily, easy for me to live a double life, easy for me to manipulate her. And so she had no idea about the life I was living, the drugs I was buying and using. Uh, and so we got engaged. I proposed to her on the kiss cam at a college basketball game, uh, which was pretty funny. Uh, she loved it though. And we got married. Uh, and then shortly after that, she began to feel like I was having an affair. Uh, and that, and, and essentially I was not with a woman, but with drugs, I was, uh, my phone, I was private. I was going places to get drugs. I was never, I was very cut off guarded and the same emotions that she, that someone who's being cheated on would feel she was feeling. And so she confronted me. And I remember the day she asked me if I was having an affair and, I, and that and offended me. I was like, what you think that about me? No. And so I ended up um, confessing that I'm, I'm addicted to these pain, this pain medication. And so going through different treatments, going through the secular treatments, she stood by my side, stood by my side until finally it got so much. Uh, and I just, the chaos had stacked up and stacked up and stacked up that she left me. Mm-hmm. And the only woman I've ever loved left me. Uh, I was kicked out of any house I could stay at. And I'm giving you a flyby again, just and the PG version. Uh, I became a thief. I became a liar. I would do a a thing as big as a, as a, I don't know, a a thumbtack controlled my life. And I'm I'm a big man, six, four, you know, over 200 pounds. And so it controlled everything I did. Every decision I made, every action that took place was to serve this, lowercase g god this idol that i was worshiping and so man devastation after devastation program after program aana meeting after aana meeting 12 steps after 12 steps and then finally i was just i lost everything every dime to my name every savings my relationship with my wife we had separated couldn't sleep i didn't have a a place to lay my head and i remember googling uh is there such thing as christian addiction recovery and that's where s2l popped up and it was in middle Tennessee. And when I came to S2L, I'd heard that for the first time. Hey, don't call yourself this. Don't call yourself an addict. Don't, we don't want to hear that here. We want you to know who God is and who he says you are. And when I heard that about, you know, wait, and it was really honest. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was the story of Gideon. <laughs> and the first words that the angel of the Lord says to Gideon is the Lord is with you, almighty man of valor. And you just read that Gideon was this coward, you know, in a hole hiding was the least of the least of the least. And God saw him as a mighty man of valor. And for some reason, I don't know if it was the word valor, you know, Navy seals or the movie brave, I'm, you know, man's man kind of language is like, yes, I like that. But then it got confusing because he's this least of the least, but God saw him in this way. And I just kind of related. Maybe God sees me in this way, even though that's not who I am today. And it just, I don't know, I I started wanting to consume his word, 
his word began. I had an appetite for it and daily bread, just, just wanting to consume more of who God says he is and more of who God says I am and his promises and slowly, but surely. Uh, and, and if you want to cut in here, I, I, I'll take a pause. I don't want to. <laughs> no, 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 no. I'm riveted. No, please, Adam. Okay. And just God began to restore my mind. Um, my, my, uh, relationship with my wife slowly, but surely. Uh, and I was expecting divorce papers the whole time while at S2O because, because literally she told me that before I left that, Hey, I just can't do it anymore. And yeah. she would have been justified, right? Because it, it, it essentially wasn't a fair with my wife on dr- with drugs. And, but God began to restore me. And at the end they, of my time, they asked me to do an internship and, you know, I felt called to, I don't know, give back and serve and lead. And I believe God gifted me with some leadership stuff. So I was like, yeah, I'll do this. Knowing at the end of the internship, I got to go back to East Tennessee, three hours away. That's where my wife is. That's where her family, my family and any career opportunity is. So I did that. And then at the end of that, they asked me to stay on to be a staff member. Um, Again, my wife got a long distance. God's restoring my marriage three hours away. And they're like, Hey, we want you to be a full-time staff member. Again, this is over a decade ago. Uh, and we'll pay you $50 a week. <laughs> so I was like, okay. Uh, I gave him the church answer and I'm doing air quotes right now. Let me, let me pray about it. <laughs> uh, let me, let me call my wife and we'll pray about it with the air quote. And so I did, I called my wife, Katie, and I said, Hey, I, I committed to prayer. And would you just pray about that? I know it's not realistic, but let's just pray about it. And on the second day of us praying, my wife's boss comes in to her office in Knoxville, three hours away, says, Katie, and they're not, they're not aware of our situation, mind you, Katie, there is an opportunity uh, for you to go and have a promotion. The only catch is you'd have to move three hours away to middle Tennessee to take it. <laughs> so I was like, really? We were like, oh. all right, God, we get it. We get it. Okay. Wow. Fine. So our yes being on the table at that point, um, from where we landed to where we were living to where the ministry was, $50 a week didn't even cover the gas, but we mm. just knew, okay, God, uh, thy will be done. And he began to open windows and open windows. And we got plugged into a church and just opening doors and serving. And God just began to elevate me and um, through obedience, I guess, and just willing to do whatever from scrubbing toilets to taking out the trash to coaching guys to teaching classes to then getting ordained to just he just elevated me to where I'm you know I am leading the the ministry today and he is growing us in a in a mighty way so that was the the flyby it probably felt really long but it was the flyby <laughs> so it, what what a story of redemption and hope and encouragement if you're listening and you yourself have struggled this is so this is such a prevalent issue adam i just can't even count how many people we have counseled and coached and talked through and helped to get into recovery centers and especially prescription drugs. It is just such a pandemic. And so I, I, I can't, I, I can't imagine how many people are listening that this is not, they don't know someone at least that this has been their story. And so to hear the redemption in your story. And I know that's sadly not everybody's story. Sometimes the marriage doesn't survive it. And, and, uh, and there's other, there's other twists and turns in our, on our complicated stories, but 
what Adam is telling us today, guys, is that it is possible. It is possible to see complete freedom, complete deliverance, complete restoration, redemption. Maybe you have been just hanging on by your fingernails for a loved one, or you're so tired of praying. And and I just want him to infuse you with hope today uh, and to know that God can turn. We talk in the podcast about discovering miracles in life's messy moments. God can turn our mess into a mission like he has done for Adam. And, and his story has now become a catalyst for this film. I loved Adam that pastor Seth Hammond said in the film, the drug crisis is not just an epidemic. It's a pandemic. As a matter of fact, it is the forgotten pandemic, which is the name of this film. The film features pastors and counselors, leaders, doctors, former clients and well-known leaders that you will know the names of. So Adam, who needs to see this film, the forgotten pandemic, the capital C church. Yeah, that's, that's what I believe. So the universal church, uh, and what I mean by universal is not all faiths, but the, the body of Christ. And, uh, just to touch on what you said, I'm glad that you said that because that's my story is not everyone's story. And, and, And I'll tell you, not, not for someone to do what I'm doing so they can gain things back in their life. But I will tell you, I remember this was a changing moment in my heart distinctively to where I was no longer doing foxhole prayers of God. If you just get me my wife back, then I'll serve you. Or if if you get me out of this legal problems, I'll serve you. I was, I was expecting divorce. I was expecting potentially law enforcement. And I remember the thought process was different. It was God, even if, if, if the divorce papers show up today, Mm -hmm. I'm going to serve you, Lord. If, if the Johnny lawman pulls in today, I'm going to serve you, Lord. It doesn't matter. It wasn't get me out of this and I'll serve you as I don't care what happens. And then I remember that shift, uh, but the capital C church, the forgotten pandemic, um, really feel like God led us to, um, I don't know, um, wait, be a beacon of hope, but also education to the church. Uh, and we have a saying that we really believe, and it's, it's not just a catchy saying, but we believe that God's put it on our hearts and it's from the rooms of recovery comes the revival of a nation. And we believe that wholeheartedly. And if you read the word of God, the heroes of our faith, the Bible's so clear to, to show that they weren't, um, they had Mm. issues, right. And, Man, I, I don't care what the world thinks anymore uh, because I've been there and done that. I, I've been mm-hmm. damaged goods, secondary citizen. I've, I've had all of that and I've seen the goodness of the Lord. And I really believe that men and women and entire families being restored through this is going to ha- is going to change things in our nation. And, and we believe that. Wow. So powerful. So Adam, how can listeners that are listening in right now, how can they connect with you, find S2L, and how can they watch the film? Where would you like them to go? And you have an amazing uh, partnership with Right Now Media. So tell us about all of that, and I'll include all that in the show notes as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So the the documentary, theforgottenpandemic.com, and and like you said, there's uh, just a a blessing and... um, can I go into that just for a second, just because we're not filmmakers? Oh, absolutely. We, uh, <laughs> I, again, I played sports. I, I don't know that I have an art, 
artsy bone in my body. Uh, I never desired to make a film, uh, but it was probably January of 2020, right before the entire world changed as we know it. Uh, we felt like it was time for us just to do a new promo video for our uh, ministry, for our recovery center. And, you know, a three minute video. And then I met with a guy, a phenomenal videographer named Denver Schindel. And um, he was actually on our, we have a podcast called Life After Addiction. And he was on one of the most recent episodes, just talking about behind the scenes stuff of the film. And I just sat down with him, hey, I need to do a promo video. And then a month or so goes by and everything changed as we know it. And COVID hit and lockdowns happened. And through some prayer and, and fasting with some of our leadership, um, we believe the Lord was saying to us, Hey, this message that I've given you about freedom in Christ is bigger than just S2L. And okay, well, what does that mean? You want us to get the message out? And I guess that kind of turned into, wow. okay, we'll make a film about it. And ironically, right around that time, if you recall, documentaries was really being consumed by the United States. You had the last dance with the Michael. Right, Jordan. right. Documentary, the uh, social dilemma, the tiger. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> tiger when I, I don't even, I don't know how that got popular, but it did. But documentaries, <laughs> documentaries became re- very popular, and so we're like, okay. So I went to Denver again. I was like, hey man, and he done. He's done a lot of work with corporate companies and churches. Just phenomenal. He has the magic eye, and I don't know how to explain it other than that. Mm. If someone gets it, they get it, and he he creates really good stuff. And he said, yeah, I'm re- willing to tackle it. And God began opening doors. We had Zach Williams uh, give us a lot of time. We had Casting Crowns, Mark Hall from Casting Crowns, Crowns, give us a lot of time, invited us backstage to some of the shows to film and stuff like that. And politicians and pastors, God just began opening doors uh, and it came together. Uh, But I'll be transparent with you. If I would have known then what I know now, I don't know that my yes would have been as easily on the table about mm. filmmaking. Uh, it is not easy at all. Yeah. One minute of film, <laughs> like, you know, especially with, I, I wanted to commit to it not being cheesy. I wanted to commit to being excellent with this. And so we had over a hundred hours of content and the documentary was, and the story was cut down to 40 minutes. Wow. And um, yeah, it was just it's a lot would, of work. I mean, I'm an author and I write books and oh it's, gosh. It's, yeah, it's oh, a lot. I mean, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours of research for, for three paragraphs on a page. Yeah. Well, I totally get it, but you're speaking to something. I know we're almost out of time, but I just have to say this besides everything that we're talking about and the nature of the film, the content that you're covering a number of times, Adam, you talked about putting your yes on the table and the cost of it. And there's a cost of you putting the S on the table, but that's a whole nother takeaway that I want our listeners to grab a hold of today is whatever their yes is, guys, whatever your yes is, put it on the table. Just put it on the table. Even the painful parts of it, if there's an area that you've been hiding, like Adam was with his wife, if there's an area that you need to get, you know, any kind of help with a talk to your counselor, your pastor, uh, maybe you need a center like S2L, but just for those of us that are not finding ourselves in those particular situations today, but we're just wanting to move forward in a deeper way with the Lord to make our lives matter in every way possible for the kingdom, get, put your yes on the table, give God your yes. And, And Adam is not shying away from the fact that that does not mean it's always easy, but 
God always blesses obedience. And we're seeing that over and over and over in your life, Adam Mention really quickly before we wrap up uh, for churches that want to partner, you have a program with right now media that they could be a part of as well, right? It's a course that churches can go through. That's right. That's right. Well, so when it comes to the documentary, uh, we, we just talked with right now media and they're like, you know, we don't have anything on our, on our site that has, that deals with chemical dependence besides 12 step things. And so we introduced them to our curriculum called lost and found lost and found recovery in Christ. Uh, and they asked us to make a video series uh, that goes along with a workbook. Now, if you go to s2l.net and that's the numeral two, so s the numeral two l.net, uh, you could find the curriculum there. You could find the video series, but if you have a right now media account, go there um, uh, and we have teacher's guides. We've had churches from all over the country want to replace or start afresh, start new, uh, a lost and found group. And so we, we labeled it different. So it's not tied to S2L directly. So it's not like, Hey, a spring to life group. It's called lost and found recovery in Christ. And it's really replacing 12 steps. It's really mm-hmm. in second Peter where, where it talks about, we can escape the corruption that's in the world that comes through sinful desires and, uh, and I know we talked about that earlier. Was that on air or off air that we were talking about that? No, we oh. talked about that. No, it's so good. And I just wanted churches to know, cause there's yeah. pastors and leaders on here. Um, yeah, guys, we were talking about this prior cause my husband and I pastor. And I mean, this is such, I mean, the film is a resource in and of it by itself. Then you have S2L of, if you or someone, you know, and love a man, uh, needs to be enrolled in a program, Christ centered program. Let's, um, drill down on that one more time. And then the third component of this is he has an entire video driven, you know, program that you can access at right now media or s2l.net and churches leaders. If you know, you need to kind of present this to your pastor, or you are listening and you're a pastor and leader, we want to make sure to be able to get this resource in your hands. So you can see the film at the forgotten pandemic.com, or you can go to s2l.net and you can access everything about uh, the the course that they can that you can take lost and found. Which what a valuable and needed resource for us, um, Adam. You're going to pray for us in just a moment, but I have to close with one last question that I ask all of my guests. I have a couple of suspicions based on what you've said today, but I'm always curious. Other than Jesus, you're inspiring so many people, Adam, to make their life matter and not just to survive, but to thrive and to see um, God's complete redemptive uh, work in their lives. But what person in the Bible, other than Jesus, has most inspired you to make life matter? Maybe someone you can't wait to meet or who your biblical avatar is. Who is that person for you before you pray for us, Adam? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, I went, at first, I was thinking New Testament, maybe Paul or someone like that. Um, but I think, I think going back and just, it just constantly is engraved in me is just the Gideon. Yeah. Um, and, and it's just because I have been that I have been hiding. I have felt like the least of the least. And also it's just so clear that it's because God gets the glory when he uses unlikely candidates and all throughout that story in judges chapter six, he he even throws out fleeces and, and are you sure God? Sure. And then just the, the mighty man of valor talk and, and God didn't see Gideon as the world or even Gideon saw Gideon. God saw Gideon for what he was going to do through Gideon. 
And man, that just resonates so much. And then if you go on and read the story, it's epic. It's, you know, it it kind of like 300 men fighting an army and, and, and God, you know, getting the glory and, and, and running, running them off. And so I would, I would say that. I can see that. And I, I can a hundred percent understand why you would choose him. I think it's so powerful. And that story, he, he literally is whittled down and stripped down to like the bare minimum of, of men. Like he's got 300, like you said, against this massive army. And what that just speaks to us is I feel like throughout this, the pandemic of COVID, which has also resulted in this opioid and overdose pandemic as well, this forgotten pandemic we've all really been stripped in some way of what we thought could be our crutches, our ways of managing our, our defense mechanisms. And God has just basically boiled it down to it's me. And, uh, and that's where Gideon was at to say, you're, you're not going to be able to go into this on your own strength. I see you as a mighty warrior, but you're going to have to know that it's coming through me. And once Gideon fleeces and all, which is so encouraging to us. And we're like, I don't know about this, God, you know, God's good to, to let us have those moments too. But through all that, when Gideon put his yes on the table, God used him to do mighty things. And so Adam, we're so grateful for you and for your voice. I know you're going to pray for us in just a moment. And I'm so grateful that you push through, um, even the cost um, in every way of putting this film together and uh, it's, it's changing lives. It's changing lives. And so guys, you need to not only see the forgotten pandemic, you can do that and access everything you need at the forgotten pandemic.com. Also go to s2l.net and you can find out more about the, the resources with right now media as well. But today's truth that matters is uh, in line with everyone. We've everything we've talked about second Corinthians five verse 17. And you've heard Adam reference this the whole time. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Mm. And wherever you are today, listening guys, whatever country you're listening in, uh, whatever your background has been, whether you struggle with addiction are struggling, or you love someone who is, we want you to know that this is the promise we have in Christ. The old has gone. The new has come. Christ has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And we don't have to live in spiritual poverty. We can embrace the full measure of what God has for us. If you need help from recovery and recovery from addiction, we want to encourage you to seek the help that is available. Reach out to s2l.net. If you're a woman or there's a woman in your life, I'm sure that they can also connect you as I can reach out to me or Adam. I'm going to include his information here as well. The forgottenpandemic.com. Adam, thank you so much. I, I, I love hearing how God is using you to make not only your own life matter for the kingdom, um, but, but to impact countless others. Um, and I just want to thank you for saying yes, for me, for your vulnerability and, uh, for the encouragement that you've offered us today to press through the hard places, to see what God is going to do. Um, have you ever written a book, pastor Adam? Not yet. No, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm putting a not yet. Did you yeah, hear that? Not yet. Yet in that? Not yet. Not yet. Yeah, and I understand counting the cost. I'm counting the cost. <laughs> I know. Right. And it is, it's no small feat, but just a little, the flyby, as you said, um, I just think, and maybe it's also to include other people's stories of recovery and freedom, but just pray about that. I just sensed that as we were chatting and, 
just believe God's going to do so much right now. Let's just sit with the movie, the film. That was a yeah, tremendous me, amount rest. of work. Two years of rest. From exactly. That. I can. As <laughs> soon as I release a book, people are like, what's next? And I'm like, can I just take a hot minute? Cause I kind of feel like I just had a baby and I need a minute. So yeah, I completely understand that and, and empathize with that, but I'm just grateful um, for this film and for what you're doing through it. So would you pray for us, Pastor Adam, especially anyone who um, your story has, has hit a nerve with today. If you love someone who's struggling with addiction, know that you are loved and that uh, I know Adam understands the pain that you're walking through. Would you pray for us, Adam, and anything the Lord especially is laying on your heart for those listeners today? Sure, let's pray. Oh, Lord, Father in heaven, God, I'm just thankful for the opportunity to speak of your goodness, Lord. God, I pray for anyone listening, uh, if they're struggling with some sort of addiction or their loved one is struggling with some sort of addiction, God, I pray now as they're hearing this podcast, this prayer, uh, God, that you you give them hope as you gave me hope. Uh, God, I pray that you remind them that your word is absolute truth and the only authority and even if they've heard things over years of going through recovery, that they're always going to be this, God. God, I hope they you, you instill confidence in them that that saying is from the pits of hell, Lord. And that who you set free is free. God, I pray that you give hope. And I pray that you begin to give confidence to people to turn, to have the right boundaries in place, to, to make it as easy as possible for someone to walk into a life of recovery and as hard as possible for them to stay in a life of addiction. And I pray, uh, and it's just the reality of the statistics that you hear, that if anyone's listening that's lost someone to addiction, Lord, I, I pray that you give them a peace right now that surpasses understanding. I pray that you give them comfort. I pray that you give them boldness to step in there and do anything that you would have them do to help the next person, to comfort the next person that's going through this. God, I love you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining the conversation. If you've been inspired to make life matter, share a review and subscribe at cpnshows.com or anywhere you listen to podcasts so you don't miss an episode. Connect with me at angeladenadio.com, Facebook at Angela Donatio VOV, and Instagram at Angela Donatio. Until next week, let's make life matter.